welcome to the Thriving Advisor Show. I'm Ike Ikoku, and together with Nina Venturella, we are co-founders of the Cochinaire Institute and the Seven Figure Mentor Program. We help executives create successful transitions out of corporate life without jeopardizing their current employment and without risk to their family, finances, or future. We launch business consulting practices for our clients and use that as a vehicle to establish their personal brand, their thought leadership, and to monetize their purpose, passion, wisdom, expertise, and experience. This helps them address the problem of how to design a successful transition out of corporate life and into doing something adventurous and fulfilling that allows them to have the kind of impact, influence, and income they desire in this next chapter of their life. We believe that executives who have been thriving in the boardroom with their responsibilities to their current employer can also thrive outside of the boardroom in their post-corporate life. We know that you have relevant experience, expertise, as well as a unique message and or a passion project that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspirational podcasts on the planet in the next 15 to 20 minutes. All right, well, let's get into today's show. Hey, 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 welcome to another episode of the Thriving Advisors Podcast. I'm here with Robert White, and uh, Robert has a very, very rich U.S. and international experience within the realms of mentoring and coaching and just everything that comes in between. So really a pleasure to have you with us here. Robert, say hello to everybody. I'm delighted to be with you, Ike. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I always start out with uh, maybe giving us the quick 60 second look as to sort of your background and how that's led you to what you're doing right now. Look, I was 27 years old. My life was a mess. I went to one of the early human potential movement seminars. It's a cliche all these years later, but it changed my life. I ended up running that company for four years. I did work for someone else for four years. I learned the training business. I got to travel the world for a young guy. That was great. Uh, uh, some things happened in that company. One of the founders died and uh, I ended up working for a probate judge. No fun. So I started my own company called LifeSpring. I later sold it, moved to Asia, built the largest training company in Asia, uh, retired at 46 to Aspen, Colorado, built the big house, bought a jet, raised a family, had a great time and uh, lost control of my company and went back to work. How's that? <laughs> Wow, there's got to be some juicy, juicy information and, and uh, probably a lot of wisdom and insights uh, from the loss of your company. We'll come back to that in just a second. Uh, through those rich experiences, you know, your company now is called Extraordinary People. Uh, what do you feel like the biggest problem is that you solve for the clients that you work with right now? Uh, I uh, I moved to Aspen because of a friendship with the late John Denver, the singer and philanthropist and and activist. And uh, John has a song called Sweet Surrender. And in it, there's a line. Mm -hmm. Lost and alone on a forgotten highway, traveled by many, remembered by few. Mm. Uh, That sounds very poetic, and it is. I mean, he was a poet. 
but that's that's the biggest problem I solve for entrepreneurs and executives is uh, I'm not a rent a friend, but I'm a resource. I'm a mentor. I'm a guide. I'm there when they need me. Many, uh, you know, I, I've, I've been in front of more than 20,000 people in the last seven years. And I've been asking a question. Once a little bit of trust gets developed sure. with the with the audience, and this is an audience anywhere from thirty people to two thousand, and uh, I ask them two questions. Number one is, uh, how many of you are currently estranged from at least one family member? Mm. What do you think the number is? What's the percentage of people willing to raise their hand in a public group? How many people do you think raised their hand? I would hand? say it's at least 80%. You're close. It's 70. 70. Okay. It's amazing. And I'm one of them, by the way. That's where the question came from, was my own life experience with my family. The other question is, how many of you have been betrayed personally or in business? What do you think the answer is? I don't know. I'd be having both of my hands. Oh, that's happened <laughs> twice to me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 100%. 100%, yeah. And what successful people do with those two events in their life is you can say compartmentalize. You can say they stuff the feeling, the hurt, the the pain that's associated with those two events. They justify it. They rationalize it. They look for the good always or almost always. Mm -hmm. So the executives that I work with are those people. They surmount those kinds of issues in their life. But what I've learned from my own experience and from working intensely with, with senior people is if they those events still affect them, they are in them like a piece of undigested food. Mm. You know, they and it affects how they hire, uh, the, how they fire, how they manage, how they lead. Uh, it has a lot of effects. So I, uh, that's what I work with, with executives on. That's the number one thing is to complete their past, mm -hmm. to deal with any blame, shame, regret, guilt, but even de also dealing with past success. Yeah. You know, you know, what worked 10 years ago in business in almost every business is not working today. <laughs> so the way you show up really matters. Uh, that's the first thing I do is, as I work on taking negative energy off of those past events and really letting them go. Uh, the second thing is to learn to better tell the truth about current reality. Mm. Uh, you and I and any entrepreneur, we live in stories. Uh, you know, that's how we communicate. Yeah. And that's a great thing. And that's what engages people. It's what gives, speaking of juice, it's what gives us juice is to share that story that we're excited about. Yep. The issue is sometimes a story doesn't really match up with reality. And uh, uh, so the, the Buddhists have a great saying. They call it developing a selfless regard for reality. Mm -hmm. That reality is not good or bad. It's just how, how do we regard it? How do we see it? What's our perspective? Yep. Uh, so learning to better tell the truth about current reality is an is a incredibly powerful thing for an executive. To, uh, uh, and finally, if you've done those two things, you create the space to really choose your future. Uh, for many, many people, their future is really their past being thrown into the future. Yeah. Their education, their past relationships. Uh, in my case, in my early 20s, a divorce that I felt guilty about affected every one of my relationships unconsciously. I didn't realize that mm -hmm. until I got 
into it. I couldn't choose the future because I was trying to throw my past into the future. It doesn't work. So if you get to a space where you're kind of cleaned up and fresh and have a new look at your life, you're better equipped to have a future of your own choosing, not your education, not what your parents told you, not what the culture tells you, uh, not what society tells you, not what's popular. It's what provides that juice. We go back to it once again. Uh, my former wife uh, has a, an incredible wisdom that I have no idea where it comes from, but uh, I appreciate it. Uh, she she talks about what is it that lights you up? Mm. You know, uh, I'm still lit, lit up about what I'm doing. And any moment that I don't feel lit up, where I feel like my energy is not outgoing and out there, I, I start taking a look at what's going on for me. Yeah. You know, it's not the culture. It's not the news. It's not politics. Uh, it's not uh, an argument that I had with my favorite daughter. It's what's going on for me. Yep. Uh, energetically. So no, that's a long, long answer to a simple question. It's a really important one, though, because what that speaks to, you know, we talk about your reality and, and we create our reality. We're in control yeah. of what that looks like. It's like memories. You talked about the traumatic impact that memories can have on people. And when we think about memories, we look at it from a past tense. We don't realize we can be future tense. We can step yes. into the future, create a new memory, and have the exact same impact and influence it has over us and the level of frequency that we're vibrating in and the, ultimately the behaviors and actions that we carry out to bring that future into the present, right? So it's a very, very rich conversation. In our industry, in our coaching, haphazard consulting industry, what is it about our industry that bugs you the most that you'd like to fix? Well, two things. Uh, one is whining. So first, I'm gonna, I want to identify in advance here that I'm going to do some whining. <laughs> uh, and that's that, you know, that, that those are business people that for whatever reason, they lost their job or they just made a new choice or uh, some, for some reason, they decide to become a coach and they go get certified. By uh, and I have this. Uh, you know, a lot of people ask me about how how do you what's the best way to choose a coach, and the first thing I say is, uh, have you been there and done that? Uh, are you are you are you coaching people on something you have actually accomplished, or just something you aspire to, or you have a theory about? Mm -hmm. And my second thing is, do you have a coach? So that's my two filters when people ask me about choosing a coach. Yeah. Have they been there and done that? And uh, are they <laughs> are they coachable? Are they in process? Are they learning? Are they growing? Are they a, are they a product of the product? Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so that's that's one that's my whining kind of like this just irritates me. Uh, is that all these people jumping into coaching that from my point of view have some giant holes in their offering mm -hmm. uh, in those two areas. Uh, but the other thing I think about our industry is about readiness. Uh, I'm blessed to have two adopted special needs kids. They're now adults. Uh, so Levi specifically, we adopted at age four. By that time, he had been horribly abused, uh, actually tortured. By the, mm. I, you know, when you start having to learn the distinction between abuse and torture, that's not a good place to be. By the way, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to know that I know that. 
Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Levi has six cigarette burns on his back in a pattern, you know, uh, and a bunch of other horrible things happen. Uh, not fit for family podcast, maybe. Sure. Uh, and he has surmounted those and he's doing great. He's He got through college, took seven years, but he got through college. He's a, a wildland fire uh, fireman, a, a supervisor of a fire crew. He's out in California right now fighting forest fires. He's got a wonderful wife. He's got two great kids. He's a great husband and father. So it's turned out really well. But a, a key to that was a child psychologist whose name is Jim Jonell, now retired, unfortunately for the planet, retired. And I've had a lot of experience with therapists because of the work I do in building these uh, large training companies. Uh, therapists hang around us. They want to come and volunteer. They're really, frankly, they're really just looking for business. But, uh, you know, that's what they do. And then I've been through a, you know, fairly savage divorce where my children were at risk. So I had all the therapists. But the moment that I thought there was one that was doing a good job for the kids, uh, my former wife made sure the court fired them. Uh, every time she had somebody, it was somebody that she could manipulate. So I got the court to fire them. So I went through a lot of therapists, right? So I came up with this opinion. This is so that now we may get banned from YouTube. I <laughs> this next comment, which is I think 19 out of 20 therapists are in the business to get their own product wholesale. Mm. They're working on themselves. Uh, and that's kind of makes them kind of questionable sometimes. One out of 20 can save your life. And I say this without reservation. Jim Janelle saved my son's life. How do you pay for something like that, right? Yeah. I mean, he's like he's like the cop that carried the kid out of the burning building. You know, that that those kinds of stories yeah. touch us all. Well, Jim Jonell did that for me and for Levi. Now Levi stepped into it. There were a lot of other influences. Uh, but I mean, he's a hero to me. So because of COVID, I got to spend an entire day with him. He is retired. He's living up in Estes Park, Colorado, very famous place. Because the elk, thousands of elk walk through town twice a year. Or there's other reasons. It's a beautiful place. <laughs> so that's where his home is. And I went up there and we sat for a day and talked. And Joni, his wife, fixed a wonderful lunch. And it was just great. And at some point I said, what's the key for you as a therapist? What's the key? And I think his answer speaks to anybody involved in coaching or training or uh, and all leadership roles. He said, it is readiness. Mm. Are people ready to take a look at themselves and look at a new perspective, to look at a transformative event, to step into the uh, risk that it takes to get naked, you know, to share who you really are, what you really want in your life? Uh, I think sometimes people hire coaches and I joke about it in a video that I did from our website. I think they hire rent a friend, you know, somebody that'll just listen to them and, you know, maybe give them a hug. <laughs> I don't know. There are people who get paid just to do that. Give people a hug. <laughs> right. I give a lot of hugs, but that's not what I'm paid for. Sure. Uh, that's a voluntary act on my part. And uh, so I think, we we serve people when we can help them get ready. We ask tough questions when we are willing to walk away. 
Uh, I have fired several clients. I have I have said no to engagements where there where I evaluate that the readiness is not there. Sure. I want to work with people that are ready to rock and roll. It's important. If so, they're not as if they don't have as vested an interest in the outcome of their lives as you do. Yeah, because it ain't going. It ain't I don't going. know if I want to lead that horse to water. <laughs> I just don't think they're going to drink. Right? <laughs> That's right. So, but a very good question. Thanks, Mike. No, you're welcome. Which leads me to understanding how you would describe extraordinary people, because we've talked a lot about therapists and you know our industry and and some less than desirable things that maybe we've seen within the industry. So, you've got a book out called Extraordinary People. How do you define an extraordinary person? Well, the book is Living an Extraordinary Life. And where that comes from is that my experience is that gradual change does not work very well, mm. if at all. Uh, our ability to resist change is, is awesome uh, because it, change involves risk. It just does. Yeah. And uh, we want to hang on to the old self, even if it isn't working. It's, it's actually quite amazing how we as human beings do this. You know, we have some excuse that's like foundational. Uh, mine for a long time is that on all those tests and in my own experience, I'm an extreme introvert. I'm much happier being alone. I'm much happier being with a good book, some good music, uh, maybe with a friend or two for dinner. I just I just made a dinner appointment with a former client that I just love and respect. And mm -hmm. I, I'm really looking forward to it. So I, I'm not just in a cave. I will come out of my cave, <laughs> you know, very, I, very precisely when you do that. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and, and I work with groups of 250 to 300 for four intensive days on, on sure. the leadership programs. And I love it, but there, my role is defined and I'm in control of the room. I have looked at that and why I enjoy it so much. And I get to know people in a, in, in a way, but I go back to my room and watch ESPN two Romanian soccer. You know, I mean, <laughs> I gotta have, I gotta have recovery time. Yeah. So I, I had it as an excuse. And uh, so, and that's the real point that, that uh, change is resisted so we can stay the same. Mm -hmm. We really have a strong need to protect that image, protect that ego, protect that the way I've always done things, you know? So, uh, a good friend of mine is a guy named Tom Crum, and Tom wrote a book, a best-selling book called Magic of Conflict, and a couple of other books, but Magic of Conflict is my book on conflict resolution. And uh, Tom's background, I mean, I got to know him because he was, he was John Denver's bodyguard for seven or eight years when John was attracting 30, 40,000 people to a concert. Hmm. And uh, he did that without a gun because... Tom Crom is an Aikido master. Aikido? Yes. Yeah. So, I took Aikido for a little while. So I got exposed to it. Right. Much. You know, it's magic, magical stuff. And it's as much mental as physical, you know, all of that. And uh, so Tom's an Aikido master. He was a school teacher. Uh, after he, he wanted to get off the road, he had children. And, you know, that, that's a killer. If If you want to raise kids, you better not be going concert to concert right you better be home so he he started this practice of working with executives on uh conflict resolution and other 
things around his Aikido mastery. And so I wish we were physically together because I could demonstrate this. I stole it from Tom. I admit it. <laughs> I'm a thief. Uh, Most uh, of our greatest <laughs> ideas we typically steal from somebody. Right? <laughs> but there's video, as there's actually video of me in a, a group setting where I get a volunteer. And so what you do is you ask the volunteer to hold up a hand like this, right? Against your hand, mm-hmm. right? And uh, that's the only instruction. Sure. So just hold up your hand. What does the person do next? They apply pressure. All right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you didn't tell them to apply pressure. And the more pressure you apply back, the more they do. And none of it was instructed. It is automatic. And that's how we resist change. So if you a little bit of Aikido, you know, what do you do with that? Right. You give in. You create space. Mm-hmm. You can lead them around the room which I do because it's colorful and fun, but it makes this point. So, but in Aikido, what you also learn is if you want to gain advantage, you do it with surprise, Mm. right? That quick movement. Yeah. And you gain control of the situation. What I've learned about change is we as human beings, because we resist change so strongly, we need to get surprised. So, whether it's in my mentoring, uh, you know, I always start out with a two-day intensive one-on-one uh, with a whole lot of pre-work, by the way. And uh, But if I'm dealing with 300 people, we use theater, we use music, we use lighting, uh, we use trickery. You know, Don Juan told us to be the trickster, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and that's all to get to shock people. You know, Ike, there's an exercise we've done in our trainings a, a zillion times. If I'm, in a, if I'm in a group, I've got 300 people in front of me, and I say, how many of you believe that a win-win attitude is, is the way to success? Now, you will not get 100% answers of yes, by the way. There are people in there that really, I'm really about winning here. I, I don't care if people lose. Sure. It, it's a fairly small percentage, frankly. Zero sum is their world, right? Yeah, right. But let's say 95% have that hand up. Yeah, win-win is great. Playing the game for mutual benefit, sure. right? We can give that lecture. Well, we've had an exercise we've been doing on our trainings with over a million people where people get the opportunity to play win-win. Now, they, we don't tell them that's what the game is about. We just play the game. Yeah. But we do tell them the objective is to win. And they all lose. They all lose. There have been a couple of groups in 30 years that have figured the game out and they win the game. Maybe two or three. Mm-hmm. We're talking about thousands of iterations because what people say is they want to play win-win. What their belief system teaches them and the way they act is to play win-lose. They play win-lose in their family. They do it in their companies. They do it in their communities. Uh, And most of it's unconscious, right? And they don't see the havoc, the chaos that that uh, win-lose presents. So... Uh, that's an example of, of kind of how I think and how I work. It comes out of years and years of seeing the distinction between how, what people say they believe versus the way they actually act. 
nah. behave. Uh, I think all coaching, uh, you know, if somebody's hiring a coach, you better ask them in their previous work uh, as a coach, have they altered attitudes, habits, and behaviors? Mm-hmm. If they haven't done that, they haven't coached. <laughs> I know it's kind of an arrogant statement, but if people don't experience a shift in attitude, a shift in, in uh, and, and ultimately a shift in uh, habits and behavior, you're just uh, taking up time. Interesting. Very, very rich. So listen, if we got people who are listening to this podcast and they're resonating with a lot of what you've shared and maybe want to get their hands on a copy of Living an Extraordinary Life, uh, maybe even engaging with you at some level to work with you, um, how would you direct them to get access to those resources? Well, two resources. I, I think my book is a resource on the kind of personal growth side. It's now a bestseller in English, Mandarin, and also in uh, traditional Chinese, and it's being translated into Spanish. I'm really excited about that. But uh, anyway, the book's available on my website, which is uh, extraordinarypeople.com, and uh, and that way it gets signed, or Amazon's good, Kindle is good. You know, I I I noticed recently that I'm running about eight Kindle purchases to every one uh, paper book. Um, I'm still a paper book fan. I'm an old guy, all right? But Kindle is cheap and fast, and um, people love it. And I haven't picked up my Kindle since my last trip across the Pacific. I I love Kindle for those trips, you know, where you can have 100 books on there and a little tiny thing. But uh, that's one way. Uh, Ike, I have a uh, document, a 28-page PDF that I developed around living an extraordinary life that's pretty practical, includes a self-evaluation and kind of a guideline. It's what I've learned over the last 30 years, mostly from how successful people uh, navigated our training and then used it after they graduated. So a lot of people have found it valuable. It's free. You can... and. Along with it comes a subscription, free subscription to my weekly An Extraordinary Minute with Robert White. It's a good way to stay in touch. A lot of people access me just by hitting reply to that email. Mm-hmm. And we get into conversation and then we set up a, a chat and things may or may not happen. But, How do they get access to that 28-page guide? Just go to extraordinarypeople.com and sign up for the uh, for the. Um, weekly easing and you'll automatically get the uh, PDF and it's shareable. It's not, it's not uh, private. Awesome. You can, you can share it with family and friends. It starts interesting conversations as I'm learned. I learned this because people email me and tell me about having coffee with somebody and talking their way through that. So it, it's kind of cool actually. So, Fantastic. and it's, it's free and it gets us into relationship and that's the key. That's awesome, Robert. Listen, I, th- I feel like we could have very, very engaging conversations for a long time. That's usually a cue that we should talk about potentially having you come back uh, for another round. So we'll engage in some conversations. For the listeners, thank you guys for your time and attention. Hope you've loved some of the wisdom and nuggets that Robert has had to share. And we'll catch you on another episode real soon. Wonderful being with you, Ike. Glad to have you, Robert. Take care. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. 
Welcome to the Thriving Advisor Show. I'm Ike Ikoku, and together with Nina Venturella, we are co-founders of the Cochinaire Institute and the Seven Figure Mentor Program. We help executives create successful transitions out of corporate life without jeopardizing their current employment and without risk to their family, finances, or future. We launch business consulting practices for our clients and use that as a vehicle to establish their personal brand, their thought leadership, and to monetize their purpose, passion, wisdom, expertise, and experience. This helps them address the problem of how to design a successful transition out of corporate life and into doing something adventurous and fulfilling that allows them to have the kind of impact, influence, and income they desire in this next chapter of their life. We believe that executives who have been thriving in the boardroom with their responsibilities to their current employer can also thrive outside of the boardroom in their post-corporate life. We know that you have relevant experience, expertise, as well as a unique message and or a passion project that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspirational podcasts on the planet in the next 15 to 20 minutes. All right, well, let's get into today's show. 